0: Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. All right, welcome in. Cube Show, college football podcast. We are a former radio show that is deceased and now have become a college football podcast. Usually... We just review SEC teams on Sundays, go back through the games, and obviously only one SEC game yesterday, the SEC championship game. So we'll go through that, give you an idea there. But we got a little more to talk about, Uh, some coaching news around the SEC. We'll hit a little bit of that. And then we'll obviously get into uh, the college football playoff. Maybe later this week, going to try to do like an SEC bowl preview, kind of look at some of the matchups, different things. Um, And then probably at some point we'll do – sort of an overall coaching change review, guys that are out, guys that are in. Um I would do something with the portal, but it's just too much, man. Like it's it's just nonstop trying to keep up with that and where guys are going and who's out. It's uh and tomorrow you probably listening to this on Monday, it's this is when the floodgates open. So, we are brought to you each week by Wickle's Pickles, wickedly delicious. Go to your local grocery store and get a jar of wickles as big as your head, like I have here. If you're not watching this on YouTube, I apologize, but I have a gigantic jar of wickles right next to me. Uh, they were nice enough to send me some swag. I got my wickles hat. I had two of them. My son stole the other one. He loves it. So that one's his, and uh, he can just pump wickles all around the neighborhood. So, all right, let's get into it. We like to keep these short and sweet and get to what we saw in the film. Had a chance to go over to Atlanta yesterday, went to the SEC championship game. Um it's a great environment, always is. Uh, Greg Sankey, Charlie Husty, and the guys do an amazing job putting that together. It was um it was a lot different than 2019. I went to that game too, and the crowd percentage was leaning LSU, and it was about 80-20 Georgia fans for this one. I I get it, I understand. A lot of LSU fans probably late September, early October weren't planning to go to this game. Georgia fans have been skewing up these tickets for a while. When you knew it was coming back, you saw that schedule. Maybe you didn't think national championship or playoff, but SEC championship looked pretty good. And uh, Georgia wraps up an undefeated regular season and now an SEC championship. Uh, just a really impressive job by Kirby and his staff. Uh, you think about the change at defensive coordinator. Um Obviously, you had so many of those draft picks that were gone, mostly on defense. That group looked dominant at times again yesterday, but are there some real concerns? We'll talk about it. All right, so 50-30 to hadn't been done many times. Speaking of scoring 50 points in the SEC championship game, Auburn's done it twice. Bama's done it once. Now Georgia has done it once as well. Um, Offensively, I thought it was a really, really clean game for Georgia. Um, Stetson Bennett did not make a lot of high-risk plays. Uh, he seemed to know exactly where he wanted to get the ball the majority of the time. 23 of 29, 274, four touchdowns, no picks. Um, and you talk about pushing yourself into the Heisman conversation. It's a good LSU defense that he was able to do that against. I thought he did just that. I like the fact that they went to 19 early, got Brock Bowers involved, some quick stuff on the perimeter, down the field a little bit. And I tell you one thing you guys might not notice about him he does a great job in the blocking game as well. He is more than a willing blocker. He. You can tell that he puts a lot into it, that it means a lot to him. He gets out there and goes after people and he does it with authority. He, and I'll go ahead and throw in Darnell Washington too. That one on the TV broadcast, probably much more noticeable because there are a few plays out on the perimeter that he was out there. And I'm I'm sure those guys uh spent a lot of time just talking about what he was doing out there. He had a couple of really nice blocks on a couple of different plays outside to set some things up and really bust some longer runs. Um, I was glad he was okay after the one defender went low when he was out on the numbers because obviously they've changed that rule. It's a good rule. I like it both for offensive linemen. And you see there for a tight end too, out on the perimeter, defender can't just dive at your knees to try to take you down. Um, I thought that was a good rule, and you saw it really implemented well there and was called well and glad to see that nothing happened to zero on that play. Um, a couple of the guys up front for Georgia, I thought they did a really nice job. Mary Smith, 65, thought he had a really nice game. And I tell you, this is a young kid that I saw – in the first spring game when he was in Athens and I just looked at him and said, I remember walking over to Matt Luke and saying, good God, that's a tackle because his arms just seem like they go past his kneecaps. He's got this small waist this gigantic rear end and these big shoulders. He's just a massive human being, but he looks super loose when he moves around. Like he doesn't move like an offensive lineman. I thought he did some really nice things, both in the run game and the pass game. Cedric Van Prom was really nice inside. He does such a good job with his double teams. Uh, Just not, not leaving too early. It's kind of the, the opposite of what you saw with 75, the right guard for LSU. He's got so much power and he can just, he feels like he can move a mountain but he doesn't have a great feel of how to stay with his double teams. And that was a couple of the times where you saw Carter kind of come through and be able to be problematic was when they had a chance to maybe squeeze that and they didn't. And if you're not going to squeeze a guy like him, you got no chance because you're not going to beat him with half a man. It's just not going to happen. So, Uh, But Van Prynne does a really nice job in the run game, staying square, staying with his double teams, knowing when to climb to a linebacker. He had a really good game yesterday. Xavier Truss, a guy that I've kind of been waiting on for a while too, thought he showed a nice motor. He was out on the perimeter running people down. There's one play where he's blocking an LSU defender and he spins off of him. He just latches onto another guy and drives him right into the bench. Um, Love seeing that effort. And there were a couple plays too. You saw receivers for Georgia – 10, 15, 20 yards down the field making blocks uh, on screen plays, on run plays. So when I see that, I see a group that just from an effort perspective knows what they're doing, knows how to handle their business, and are doing more than even what they're being asked to do on a series in, series out basis to try to make things happen. It's championship level football is what it is. And... The run game was really nice. I thought the Georgia offensive line asserted themselves there. They got really lathered up late in the third quarter, started leaning on a good LSU defensive line. Keep in mind, we talked about this game a little bit last week. Jaqueline Roy has had a really nice year. Wingo has had a really nice year. Uh, Olajari and Gay can both play out on the edge. It's a good group. It's not very deep, and that's, I think, what hurt LSU a little bit later in the game. But this is a group that's been problematic. And, hey, 99 got his. He got in the backfield some, made some plays. Eleven got in the backfield some and made some plays. But it wasn't consecutive plays. It wasn't continuous. Uh, it wasn't a situation where that was an issue with the offensive line on a regular basis throughout the course of the game. thought the Georgia offensive line looked great. thought they asserted themselves, imposed their will late in that game, did a really nice job in the run game. Here's the thing about the Georgia offense. Like, you Monken's doing such a good job right now of mixing and matching things. Like you saw the quick game. All right, you saw a couple shot plays. Tight ends are involved in the passing game. Receivers, you hit some slants. You get five man protection, six man protection, seven man protection, play action protection, RPOs. You got some sprint out stuff. You saw the reverse pass on the two point conversion. I mean, the run game we saw duo, toss crack, inside zone, counter, split zone. The one split zone went to the house almost, went for like 70 yards. The variety of what you have to defend against this offense is ridiculous. And then consider on top of that, you're doing it with guys that physically are a mismatch for you almost all the way across the board. And then from a skill set perspective are better than you in a lot of areas. I don't know how you defend that when the quarterback is playing lower risk, not low risk, lower risk, essentially not playing high risk like he's done in some games. This is going to be tough to slow this offense down. And I thought they had a really nice day. thought they did some good things. And let's be real here. So Christopher Smith, who had an amazing game defensively, you know, he broke up the pass that was tipped around and intercepted. He returns the blocked field goal for a touchdown. This game was out of reach early for LSU. And if they were going to be competitive in this game, a couple of things we talked about last week had to happen, had to be clean. You had to limit your turnovers. Number one. Catch and run had to happen. Quick game had to happen because that's where the quarterback was comfortable. One, two, get it out. RPO, chick, chick, boom. Let that thing go and then let the catch and run happen. Saw a little bit of catch and run early, but it wasn't consistent. You'd get one every four or five series, and that's gonna, not going to be enough to beat a great football team. Uh, and then quarterback run had to happen. Well, Jaden Daniels, longest run from scrimmage, Five yards. LSU has lived and died on those back-breaking quarterback runs this year, and they didn't get enough of them in this game. Bottom line, just did not get enough. So it was a situation defensively for LSU where I think there was just so much to defend and so many guys that were executing well. Even when you saw 99 bust through the line of scrimmage, a couple times it would go for a decent gain. Or it looks like you're coming up to play a screen well, receiver makes a move, and it's a 12-yard gain. It just – Those are the kind of things that weren't going to be able to happen for LSU in this game, and Georgia kept making them happen, and you give them a lot of credit for that. Uh, Defensively for the Bulldogs, Robert Beal showed a lot of speed off the edge. He's a guy I think can really help them here in the home stretch of the playoffs. He and 13, Williams, the freshman, he did some nice things off the edge. You saw one little dip and rip, and then also played the run well, kind of stuck the line of scrimmage there pretty tight a couple times. Uh, for a young kid, did some nice things. Beal had that strip sack as well, so he forces a fumble. I mentioned Christopher Smith. He did some good things. But, man, Jalen Carter was a story. Jalen Carter it's you know, 6'3", 6'4", 300, 310 pounds, whatever it is, you are not supposed to be able to move this way, especially the lateral quickness, the agility, the swim moves over center and guard. You're not supposed to be able to make that happen. And he has the power to be able to hunker down, come off the ball and attack a gap, and you're not going to block him. He has the wiggle to be able to shake you and win a one-on-one and pass rush. And we saw him be disruptive over and over and over in this game. And it was just beyond impressive. He showed you why some people are talking about him as the the best football player in the country coming out, at least when you're speaking on NFL draft terms, because Carter's not going to get any real Heisman buzz. I mean, let's be real. I mean, you had a kid from Alabama should have been at least a finalist last year, and he doesn't go. Quentin Williams, a couple of years ago, should have been a finalist. He doesn't go, so you're going to have to do things that just we've never seen before. I guess if you're a defensive lineman and be a Heisman finalist, but you know, I think Quentin Nelson should have been a finalist a couple of years ago at Notre Dame, and I'm not even sure he got a vote. So that that that, that thing is what it is that's an argument for another day. Um, I will say that I think. 10 for Georgia at linebacker is a guy that really feels like from beginning of the season to yesterday has come a long way. Rangy speed, good athleticism. I like some of the ways Georgia used him last night. I thought Schumann did a good job with some of the trigger blitzes or green dogs. So basically when you see who is or not in protection, you decide to go and put extra pressure on, spy the quarterback a little bit, kept Jaden Daniels from having those big runs. It was a good plan defensively, and a lot of people are going to sit back and say, oh, well, are there some real problems? 502 passing yards, Nussmeier, the backup, comes in and goes 16-24 to 24 for 208. Sure, he threw a couple of jump balls got him on it. Now he fits some balls in some nice windows too. I thought overall the coverage was pretty good for Georgia. Did it break down at times? Yeah, but, I mean, 52 pass attempts, it's probably going to happen here and there, especially when you're playing off towards the end of the game because you have a comfortable lead and – when you have a couple of breakdowns in scramble drill, like I'm never going to look at scramble drill and get mad at a corner or mad at a safety. I mean, should they be there? Do you practice it? Of course. But I mean, shit's going haywire at that point. So it's, it's very difficult to sit back and say, Oh, well, he should have retracted and come back and followed his man back inside and then did a figure eight back to the other corner of the end zone. All right, fine. Should have happened. But when you take your eyes to the quarterback cause you think he's going to run and then your guy reroutes, and you got to turn, change position, go a different direction and try to find him, that's damn near impossible. So I'm not going to get mad at some of the stuff that happened to the Georgia secondary, but I will say, even though the coverage was good early, I mean, Jaden Daniels was pushing some balls in some really tight windows. He looked pretty good. And that catch and run, that's where that was going to have to happen because I think you saw a couple of times LSU tried to get the run going, 20 for 47. It just wasn't going to happen. It wasn't there. And we'll kind of talk about that leading into the next game as well because I think it's interesting to kind of look at what Ohio State might try to do, what can Ohio State try to do. In full disclosure, listen, last week at this time, when Caleb Williams and USC were doing what they were doing, before that defense got kicked in the junk and Utah pushed them around and before TCU lost to Kansas State, a lot of that, obviously by a physical manner, I would have taken the field against Georgia. Not sure I would right now, especially without Michigan struggled early, I think there are some holes in that defense. Although I'll say this, Brom draws him up better than anybody. I mean, he, he's unbelievable. Maybe he gets a little too cute sometimes, but man, I got can he can freaking call plays. So I'm not all just mad at the Michigan defense, but there are some things there. Like when you put this Georgia offense against that group, as much as you have to defend, I think it's advantage Georgia. And then obviously, Michigan's O line's amazing. They're they're unbelievable. That Joe Moore award is sitting up there in Ann Arbor for a reason. And I think they're better this year than they were last year. Might not be the best, but they're better than last year. So physically, I think they're closer to being able to match up. But I might reverse course here. I mean, hit the beep sound. I'm, I'm backing up because I don't know if I would take the field, these three, against Georgia right now, if you're talking about winning a national championship and putting a wager on that one. Um, you know, some of the things that I saw – from Georgia on defense is calculated pressures. I've said this before, Georgia runs precision pressures. And what I say by that when when I discuss it is you have, a, you have usually in some sort of a pressure, you have a penetrator, a guy who comes through first. His job is just to disrupt things, to allow a loop man or a pressure guy to come behind him. And then the offensive line is jumbled up to the point. They're congested to the point that they can't retract and go get it. They can't switch it off either once or two ways, and be able to find a way to pick that up. Georgia hugs the penetrator so well, they almost hide themselves and disappear, and then come around so late, you can't really find a way to pick it up. And the penetrators do such a good job of selling out and just taking that aiming point to the other linemen, not really having a care in the world about getting to the quarterback or if it's a run stunt, stopping the run, but just they understand their job is take that dude out, and they do it extremely well. And there's a couple times, actually, That was Jalen Carter's assignment, was to take a guy out. But he did it so well, he ends up in position to make a play or at least disrupt a play in the backfield, and he does that. Don't think that this Georgia defense is a bunch of dudes that can just give you a quick swim move or just ripping off the edge because they're so quick and fast. There's precision involved with what Georgia does defensively. And when you study it, it's easy to see, and it makes them almost impossible to manage and handle especially when they understand where to be and how to be there. So, yes, Jalen Carter was amazing. Uh, Bear Alexander did some really good things. We talked about Robert Beal, Williams off the edge, Christopher Smith, but just understand that a lot of this is also scheme and execution, how they execute the scheme when they move. A lot of times, and LSU struggled with that. There was some stuff in the run game. LSU got lighter boxes. I'm not going to say light because they weren't playing with four per se, but – you know, there were times that there's six in the box with one kind of half an overhang. That's a run look. And LSU should have been able to run into that. I think some of it, Daniel's not being 100%. And then when he came out, that changed a lot because Georgia didn't really have to defend quarterback run very much. That made things a lot different. But when you have a lighter box, you shouldn't have to worry about the guy on the backside. The quarterback manages him. You should be able to run into that. And there were some slants, precision slants, I call them replacement slants that Georgia runs because a lot of times you'll see a team run a slant and it's like the D tackle is just whoop and he's out of the picture. Like He's just going to keep going. It's almost like instead of C ball, get ball, it's like C track, run track, and they just go and just keep going forever. These Georgia D linemen have an understanding of we're going to slant, but it's to go from a zero nose to a two technique, and then I got to hold that gap there. They're very disciplined with how they move. And I'm talking pre-snap movement. They do some of that. They stem as well. But some of the post-snap movement, which is right after the ball snap, they understand don't just flow and don't just keep going, have to maintain gap integrity after a stunt. Guys, there's not a lot of defenses that do that. I'm just going to be honest with you. You look all around college football. There's just Groups aren't that disciplined to be able to do these kind of things. And George is doing that, and they're doing it with elite talent at the same time. So I thought it was really impressive. LSU struggled with some of that movement, both pre-snap and post-snap. I think it messed with their mind a little bit of who the read was, what the blocking assignments were, who the Mike linebacker was when they would stem. And then some of the post-snap stuff, they just didn't pick it up. Well, like I talked about the middle three for that LSU offensive line did not do a very good job of trading things off and working their doubles. And when you slide protect a lot of times, and that's where everybody goes one gap over. So if you go here, you're ever taking a step to the right, your eyes should be back. Your eyes should be to where you're stepping to and your body should stay back. And guys refuse to do it. So if my center's covered up and there could be a chance that a guy tries to come in that A gap between I'm a guard in the center, I need to hug that if I'm uncovered here, let my eyes play what's outside, and if something comes back in, then I could come off and play that. Unless you had some problems with that last night. It's one of the reasons that Georgia was able to be in the backfield and do a lot of things that they did. But this team's running on all cylinders, man. You see effort. You see execution. You see offensive linemen, tight ends, receivers trying to get extra blocks. You see running backs running hard. Uh, I thought McIntosh and Milton both ran the ball extremely hard last night. McConkey continues to be a vastly underrated weapon for this Georgia offense in a lot of different ways. Everybody knows what Brock Bowers is. He's incredible. But it's the fact that in Washington's a hell of a weapon, but it's how Washington blocks and how Bowers blocks and how McConkie blocks and how the backs block. And when you get a guy who comes in that hasn't been in, in a while, there's, I mean, it is, it's full go. So I have a lot of respect for how they're doing things right now. Um, and then defensively, it's the same thing. Like I said, you get a blitz, you get a stunt, the precision that comes along with the execution is incredible. You don't see it a lot of places, and they're doing it with elite talent. So when Stetson Bennett plays like he did yesterday, I'm just going to tell you right now, Georgia's not beatable. They aren't. Now, if he decides to get a little high risk or he's off, maybe that opens some things up for some different teams to be able to do some different things. And when now you know, we'll kind of roll into oh, one more thing for LSU. I believe it's the fourth or fifth play of the game. Um, I just I got to shout this kid out because I've never seen anything like it. Well, I mean, I have, but not from a true freshman. Um, Emory Jones, uh, LSU freshman tackle, he is up against – well, he's not – Jalen Carter's not lined up on him, but there's – Jalen Carter's lined up down inside a little bit, and Jalen Carter actually got rolled up the play before. Big 75 got his hands on him. And kind of finished him at the end of the play as a pass rush situation. He actually knocked him over at Emory, but he he flattens him pretty good. So you can tell Jalen Carter's pissed on the next play. And it's a stunt. And it was almost a it was almost a faux stunt, fake stunt, because Carter goes inside out, and I think it was 32, was outside. He acts like he's looping back in, but then he drops off in coverage. So you're showing a stunt. Carter's then got contained, and you've got to end back in coverage. Well, and I'm trying to get to the play here on my iPad while I'm talking to you guys so I can tell you exactly what play it is. I had to watch it a couple of times because I almost couldn't tell if it was by accident, sort of. Um, And part of this, and the reason I talk about this is because of who it's against. I mean, if if it wasn't Jalen Carter, you know, I'd be like, okay, great. You know, pretty decent job, I guess. But you're talking about, you know, the best player that's going to be available in this draft, period. And Emory Jones, you know, kind of, he kind of short sets it, and he I don't know if he had an idea that, that Carter was going to come into him. I don't know if he had an idea that you know this was going to be some sort of a stunt, but it's early in the game, I think I got it right here. I think it's play six. All right, so play six is where Carter gets rolled up, and then you can tell he's got a mat on after that. So he's teeing off on Emory Jones on the next play. He's like kind of in a four-eye right in the B-gap. 32's outside, he kind of shows loop, but then just kind of stays. I bet he's sort of spying for, you know, quarterback run. Um, Ends up kind of taking John Emery out of the backfield. And so Jalen Carter goes right down the middle of Emery Jones. And he actually knocks his hands off of him in his pass set. And Carter kind of tries to go right down the middle of him. And somehow, some way, both feet off the ground, like Carter lifts him up. Emory Jones is able to get his feet back behind him. I'm like rewinding this and watching this as we're doing it. Reworks his hands like 50 times. He's like da 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 da, trying to rework his hands. Gets them back in, and then gets his body back in front of Jalen Carter. Keeps his hips square, shoulders get back to square, and then finishes him flat to the other side of the line of scrimmage. For a true for a true freshman, I've never seen it. Now I've seen some elite tackles do it before. Um, but a true freshman, no, not that, not like that, not against that caliber, dude. In other words, LSU with Emory Jones and Will Campbell, you guys in good shape at tackle moving forward. You got two good ones, Georgia, pretty good shape at tackle as well. We'll Talk about that a little bit more. All right. So college football playoff announced back to some of the games yesterday. I mean, Michigan Purdue looked like it was going to be good for a while. Man, that Michigan O line, they lathered up late. They started leaning in that Purdue defense. And the Purdue defense actually looked like they were going to put up a fight early. I was pretty impressed. Um, but then it just, you know, it, it wasn't gonna happen. Uh, when they started showing a little bit of balance, showing able to do some different things. McCarthy hit a couple down the middle. Tight ends get involved, lights out O'Reilly. 43 22, Purdue, your Big Ten champs, undefeated, 13 0. They're in the college football playoff as well. Um, Kansas State, man. Physical football team, Deuce Vaughn, incredible. Um, And you got to think about the fact that this is a team that made a quarterback and make a quarterback change. They had to make the quarterback change, but Will Howard is now that guy. Uh, He goes for 199, two touchdowns, no picks. Um, Really impressive game, goes to overtime. Kansas State gets the win. So those two trade games and TCU ends up in the playoff 12-1. and Listen. I haven't thought Ohio state was one of the four best teams in the country all season long. Do I think Ohio state has one of the four best collections of talent in college football? Yeah, I do. Penn state win was nice. Um, Notre Dame win still was nice. I don't care what they did losing the Marshall right after that. Cause they had a pretty solid finish to the season. They ended up being a decent football team. Um, but there's not just a lot of wow wins there. And I think they're a team that has relied on scoring fast and scoring a lot and doing it through the air. Um, and when you can when you can excuse a poor performance by wind against a team that can't even get to five hundred, we got some problems. And you get run on your own home field. then I've just got some problems. But the biggest problem here is I think with Ohio State, with Alabama, with Tennessee, I can convince myself that all three should be in. I can convince myself that all three should be out. So then it just comes down to the eye test that we talked about. Tennessee's got an ugly loss, no doubt. They have better wins. Uh, Alabama doesn't have a win against a team with nine wins. Tennessee's got multiple. Um, So Ohio State's got a couple decent wins and a loss to the number two team in the nation. So you look at Tennessee's losses. One of them's fine on the road to the number one team in the nation. Didn't look good, but still, it's okay. That South Carolina loss is ugly. Now, that team's not terrible, but the way it happened was ugly. So – I, I don't know if you can go too wrong either way. It really comes down to picking which flavor ice cream you like the best and which one you think could be most successful uh, and has been most successful against different teams. Um, now I'll say this, uh, the seating, obviously some uh, I'm, I'm not going to tell you that I'm a real fan of um, because I, I understand that you're trying to avoid certain things and I understand that you want to go and try to do different things, but you got to seed the teams the way that you think they are, and I'm not sure that, that that happened. So, I mean, it's part of this is gonna it's gonna always be just a little bit weird. It's never gonna have full rhyme and reason and be exactly what we want it to be. And I understand you don't want Ohio State and Michigan to play. I get it, but for TCU to lose and not move, I, I don't I don't really know what, what to give you with that, where to go with that. So. Uh, Do I think Ohio State can find some things through the air? Yes, I do. Uh, You know, some of the quick game stuff like we talked about with LSU, catch and run can work for them. Um, They're a little bit better at tight end. I think they have one of the most physical blocking tight ends in college football. Um, He and Georgia's tight end is going to be fun to watch this week. Um, But this offensive line will not be able to handle Georgia's front. I'm going to go ahead and tell you that right now. Run game won't be there. And – holding up an elongated pass protection will not be there for Ohio State. It won't. And I think Georgia's offensive line is playing well enough to offset what Ohio State brings up front. And this is a team that's gotten a little bit too aggressive at times, try to do a little bit too much. And once again, going back to what we said earlier, if Stetson Bennett's playing low-risk football, then Georgia's going to have their way offensive. They just are. Uh, I think Michigan will play bully ball at TCU. This will be a very similar matchup to uh, Alabama and Cincinnati last year. Michigan will have a lot of success on the ground. They'll open it up and take chances in play action, depending on probably what the score is. Defensively, I do see a few holes in Michigan. Uh, I think TCU can find a way to move the football. They can create explosive plays. They obviously have dynamic tailback, receiver, quarterback. So having to defend all that together can be problematic, but – this Michigan front altogether, I think, is a step up from what it was last year. I just don't see how TCU gets this win. I don't see many avenues for success. I think, uh, I think Michigan can play a fairly vanilla game, play on both sides, and find a way to win this matchup. And so I think we're going to get Georgia and Michigan again in the college football playoff national championship game. we got plenty of time to preview that one, plenty of time to preview uh, all the bowl games as well. Like we talked about earlier, I want to thank our sponsor, Wickles Pickles. Wickedly delicious. Go get those in your local grocery store. This jar is is big or bigger than my head. My head's pretty big, as most of you know, most of you have accused me of. So, all right, this is Cube Show College Football Podcast. We usually recap Sundays what happens in the SEC. We got the SEC championship game out there for you. Um, Auburn hires Hugh Freeze. I think Hugh Freeze will win games. A couple of the reasons why, I think Hugh Freeze is aligned with the top. And that's the administration. And then past that. Um, that group got what they wanted. That's a good thing because I think the sustainability has a chance to have more success and he has a chance to have more success on the field. Brand new football facility, NIL loaded up, ready to go. People behind that know exactly what they're doing. Got to revamp the roster that has to take place, but Hugh Freeze will fit into that building and have a good chance to go win a lot of football games. Can you get over the hump as far as past, you know, eight, nine, 10 wins a season? I think that depends on the people around him and just how good the players that they can get on campus is because you're doing it against Alabama and Georgia every year. And obviously with the schedule change, don't know exactly who you're going to be playing, but for a couple more years, it's going to be those two, and it's not going to be easy. Um, Alex Golish leaving Tennessee, going to South Florida. I think he's a brilliant offensive mind. Um, I think he is an exceptional football coach. He is a great dude. You sit down and talk to him, he's as real as it gets. Um, none of his stuff like flies over your head, very relatable kids like him. And I listen, does he have a ton of background recruiting Florida? Maybe not. Um, you know, has he been a head coach before? No. Does it feel similar to the previous hire? It does, but the personality is going to be very different. And I think the scheme that they're going to run has a real chance to go be successful. So he's just got to get a quarterback and a couple receivers. I hope the administration gets behind him. Financially, they got to figure things out. NIL has got to get figured out a little bit. Uh, but that's a place that's had success before. And I think I'm a big fan of Coach Golich. Uh, I hope he gets that thing going. Uh, we saw some of the Auburn assistants coming in, mostly it's the Liberty guys. Jeremy Gilbert, defensive line, somebody I hear great things about. Don't know a ton about the other some with Hugh previously. So we'll see what happens when the thing's all said and done. We'll talk about more of that then. Uh, keep an eye for another SEC defensive coordinator to maybe get uh, a group of five head coaching job this week. I think that probably takes place. Um, South Carolina going to lose their offensive coordinator to Nebraska. I thought Satterfield did a better job than people gave him credit for. It's a complicated scheme. Rattler wasn't quite ready for it. He got better as the year went on. we will be very interested to see where Coach Beamer goes next. So, like I said, we can come back and have a whole show about coaching changes, what we like, don't like, portal. We can do that. We'll do that through the offseason. We have plenty of time to do that. We'll be back to preview the SEC bowl games. We'll be back to preview the college football playoff and obviously review all of the SEC bowl games and playoff games when they happen. Appreciate you tuning in. Please like, rate, review, subscribe. As always, we'll be back, hopefully, before next Sunday.